Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's episode is focused on addiction. And the drug of choice for this episode is methamphetamines or meth or crystal. I will be doing a series of episodes addressing different addictions, drugs, and otherwise. So today we're talking about methamphetamines. And one of the important factors of addiction treatment is psychoeducation so that you know what this substance does to your mind and to your body when you use it. A lot of times when people are addicted to different substances, they are not aware of the damage that it does to their body. So once they learn what the damage is, it's usually quite a shock and it increases motivation to want to quit. So today, let's talk about what meth or crank or crystal meth, whatever you want to call it, let's talk about what it does to your mind and body. So there are long-term cognitive impairments, compromising ability to learn and perform basic verbal tasks. There is crippling withdrawal that can include strong cravings and suicidal ideations. While on meth, people tend to hear voices, sometimes have hallucinations if they stay awake night after night on it. They believe there are bugs or glass under their skin that can cause them to pick at their skin until it bleeds. They tend to fall into a deep cave of paranoia. Their obsessive behaviors are unable to be controlled by themselves. They fixate for hours on a task or they repeat a task over and over. They have uncontrollable movements, twitching, fidgeting, grinding their jaw. They often sniff a lot like somebody would if they had allergies or a cold. They have uh, memory missing long, long stretches of time, and concept of time is impaired as well. So five minutes could feel like an hour, or an hour could feel like five minutes. Their inhibitions will completely short-circuit. A person on meth will do things that are completely the opposite of their normal baseline behaviors. They have a high risk for contracting STDs, hepatitis, and AIDS. And now I guess we could add COVID to that list. It impairs the frontal lobe, which is where your judgment and impulse control is. So judgment and impulse control just go right out the window. Rational thought goes to sleep, and they live on id. Remember, the id is the toddler in us, the ego is the teenager, and the superego is the adult. So they're running on id, on a toddler mentality. If they want something, they take it. If they like something, it's theirs. So when you take meth, the drug will flood your brain with dopamine. And this produces a pleasure, euphoric response. It's an overstimulation of the brain. It's a very intense rush, and it ends on extreme rebounds or lows. So the pleasure turns to paranoia, 
and it's increasing interestingly um, in schizophrenia bipolar and schizoaffective disorders the brain is also pumping way too much dopamine so you're inducing almost a schizophrenic state of mind and also over time when your brain is pumping out that dopamine think about a fire hose that's spraying full force so you take meth and your brain turns into a fire hose spraying dopamine right and then over time with overuse of that hose the hose begins to weaken and it doesn't spray out as much dopamine anymore and you have to use more and more of the drug you've built up a tolerance and then over time you continue to do more and more and then when you get to the point if you're able to quit if you go through rehab if you get support if you're able to quit using meth it takes a good two years for you to really get back to normal if you ever do because that hose is now like a flat fettuccine noodle and it will put out a drop or two of dopamine here and there and chances are you'll have to get on some sort of psychotropic medication to regulate the hormones in your brain to help get you back to normal but most people for the first couple of years when they completely quit using meth they suffer crippling anxiety uh, they struggle deeply with depression and on top of that they struggle with a lot of toxic shame and many 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 fears many phobias so it really does a number on the brain um, it it messes with your heart as well so meth causes arrhythmia or fast heartbeat and over time this reduces blood flow to your vital organs it can cause the heart to enlarge and weaken. Meth affects the lungs. When the heart is not beating strongly enough to pump blood away from the lungs, fluid will build on the lungs, resulting in shortness of breath to feeling as if you are drowning. Meth eats muscle mass in your body. And if you think about it, your heart is a muscle. Due to lack of nutrition, when meth makes you forget to eat, hair loss can occur. Meth dehydrates the body. The term meth mouth comes from dehydration, dry mouth, causing teeth to rot and come out. Body temperature will spike when meth is in the system. Dangerously high temperature spikes like this can cause organ failure and brain damage. With blood flow to the skin restricted, the skin develops acne and open sores that do not heal because when you're on meth, you pick at your skin, remember? And one major risk of this is a MRSA infection. MRSA infections can be resistant to antibiotics and they can cause you to die unless you're lucky and they can put a stop to it. So if you're using meth and you're struggling with addiction, make a commitment to yourself to quit and to get help. And struggling with addiction, we tend to self-sabotage. 
And I have a worksheet here that is just incredible. There's a picture of a bear. He's wearing overalls. And he's sitting on a park bench, eating a banana. And then the second picture shows the bear standing up, looking at the trash can while throwing the banana peel the other direction. And he's got a smirk on his face like, ha. And then in the third photo, it shows the bear slipping on the banana peel and falling on his ass. So do you think that while he was deciding he would just throw that banana peel the other direction, do you think he knew it would make him fall? Because if he knew it was going to make him fall, he wouldn't have done it, right? But he sabotaged himself. So sabotage is conscious or unconscious damage done to the self by the self. It is a self-defeating behavior. It is hampering your own progress or recovery. It is refusing to grow and to change. And here are the ways that we self-sabotage. There is the yes, but using one excuse after another about why other suggestions just won't work for you. Here's another one. I'm different. Seeing yourself as different, worse, or more complicated than, the, than others. And because of that, strategies that work for them will never work for you. Here's another one. Making the rounds. You will go from one person to the next, discounting what each one says until somebody gives you an answer that you would like to hear. So let's say you just stopped using meth last week and you feel pretty confident that you're good, that you, you know, it's been seven days and you haven't touched it and you got this addiction beaten and you're good. And then you, you talk to your mom and you say, Hey, I haven't used in seven days. I'm great. I'm going to go to this party. And your mom says, yeah, but you're going to have friends there that use, that use, and it's going to tempt you to use. And you say, Oh no, it won't. I, and, and even if I did, it's only for one night. I can quit again. It's not a big deal. And your mom says, I don't think that's a good idea. You, you saw how bad you were on it before. And you say, oh, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. Then you call your friend and you tell your friend, hey, I haven't used in a week. I quit. I'm good. I think I should go to that party. What do you think? And your friend says, no, man, I don't think you should go because that's too tempting. You've only been clean seven days. And you say, oh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. And then your friend says, well, what if, what if they tempt you and you use? Then you're right back to square one. And you tell your friend, no, I could use once tomorrow night and not go back to it. I could just get up and, you know, get back on track. And your friend says, I, I don't agree. I think that's a bad idea. And you tell your friend, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Bye. Then you go and talk to your brother who is using meth. He has not quit. And your brother says, yeah, man, if you quit for seven days, you can quit anytime you want. Don't listen to mom and your friend. They're stupid. If you go to the party and use, it's not a big deal. You just get up tomorrow and commit to not using again. So, making the rounds, you have found somebody who gave you the answer you want to hear 
who gives you permission to self-sabotage. And people with addictive personalities do this all the time. Here's another one. Stacking the evidence. You're only looking for evidence of how a treatment or suggestion will not work while ignoring any evidence of how it does help. So you could be going to group therapy for addiction and everybody there is using daily positive affirmations. And you could say, oh yeah, so by telling me how I should talk to myself in the morning, that's going to cure me of my addiction? (laughs) I don't think so. And then the other participants say, well, it's really helping me. It keeps me motivated and it keeps me positive. And you look at them and say, well, that's ridiculous. You sound like a bunch of brainwashed weirdos. You're just not willing to listen to any of the positive benefits. So if you find that you're one of these people who's stacking the evidence, looking for all the reasons why something won't work, I encourage you to try it over and over before you say it doesn't work. Try it for a week, try it for two weeks, try it for 21 days. And then if it still does nothing for you, then it's fair for you to say it won't work. But the only way we can heal is if we try. And trying something once and tossing it out the window doesn't work. When a baby gets up and tries to learn how to walk, if they fall on their butt, they don't give up and say, walking is too hard, I'm not doing this. When you learned how to ride a bike and you fell, you didn't throw the bike and say, forget this, it's too hard, I'm not doing this, it doesn't work. You got back on, you tried again and again and again. Same with riding a horse, if they buck you off, you get back on, you keep trying. So if you like to stack the evidence of how a treatment or a suggestion will not work, I encourage you to zip your lip and give it a shot, give it a try. Here's another one, negative comparisons. Comparing yourself to others in a negative way. Well, she was able to quit, right? She was clean for 30 days. I could never do that. I'm not that strong. I mean, I've, I've been clean seven days and I'm a wreck. I can never do what she did. Yes, you can. So stop, stop the negative comparisons. And only compare yourself to who you were yesterday and try to do better today. Try to do one thing different. And then the last, the last one on the list is no way refusing to consider new evidence, try new ideas, or take any risks whatsoever. And when I say take a risk, I mean take a risk on yourself. Take a risk on you that you can beat this addiction. You have the power. You have the choice. And when you're presented with evidence and new ideas that might be helpful, grab those tools and try them out. Try them out for seven days, 14 days, 21 days. Really make the effort and try them out. And if in the end you find that it wasn't as helpful as something else, then stop and go to something else. But you have to do what's going to help you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to commit to stopping using whatever your addiction is. You have to commit to stopping. You have to commit to trying every tool you can get your hands on from 
therapists and from group therapy and from Narcotics Anonymous and any any resource you can get your hands on. So I hope today's episode on addiction was helpful. Stay tuned. There will be more, many, many more episodes about addiction. And in terms of self-sabotage, do you find that you sabotage yourself? Whether you're addicted or not, everybody sabotages themselves at some point for some reason, for millions of reasons. So if you find that you sabotage yourself in addiction, do the opposite action. Do the opposite action. If you are making excuses of why everything won't work for you and that you're different from other people and all that, get over yourself. Close your mouth and open your ears. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? So get over yourself. Be quiet and listen and give it a try. Don't listen to the person who enables you and tells you, oh, you could use tonight and it won't hurt you. Don't listen to that person. They're just helping you give yourself permission to sabotage. Don't don't do that. Don't stack the evidence of how a treatment or suggestion won't work for you and pay attention to the evidence of how it might work for you and try it. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to you. And find find somebody to inspire you. Somebody who has beaten their addiction and now they travel the world helping others beat their addiction. Let that be your role model. But don't compare yourself negatively. Because if they could do it, so could you, right? Just compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And don't be stubborn and refuse to consider new evidence or try new ideas. Take a risk on yourself. Love yourself. You are worth it. And you can beat these addictions.